This is Brian Billick, and I'm joined by my partner, Dennis Green. Welcome to the Coach's Show podcast. Here we go. Denny, uh, well, it's been a long season, but here we set with, uh, I think, the two best teams. Not dominant teams, but the two best teams in the game today. And probably, by no coincidence, the two best quarterbacks right now. Yeah, and I think it comes as a result, though, of, of the four best teams who played the best at this particular time in the playoffs and then wound up with two of the teams, New England and the New York Giants, actually playing not necessarily better than Baltimore and San Francisco. They just came out more successful, made a little bit more plays, were really heads up, did so many things well, and and I guess you'd say they had the best two quarterbacks on the field that particular day. What does it say about let, – let's, let's, let's take a little bit broader view. What does it say about the league – not good, not bad. Just what does it say when the two Super Bowl participants are two teams that uh, one team did not have a win against a winning team until the championship game, New England. Right. Beating, beating the Ravens was the first winning team they had beat. And a New York Giant team that was 9-7 and seven and had a four-game losing streak during the season. And these are the two Super Bowl participants. What are, what are we saying about that? <laughs> well, even more so, the Giants, as you know, at one point lost five out of six games and then were 7-7 seven and seven before their back, uh, back alley, back neighborhood brawl with the New York Jets. I, I think it shows once again that you can get hot. And when you get hot, you can roll San Francisco uh, got hot, but they were hot all year long. The Giants got hot, but they just got hot at the last part of the season. And now, since that time when they were 7-7, seven and seven, have won five in a row. But I also think that it's keeping everybody alive. I, I think that's, yeah. that's what it says, that, that you can be uh, like Green Bay and, and at one point be 13-0 and 0 or, or something along those lines. Or you can be, uh, you know, like the New York Giants and be 6-7. and seven. You still have a chance. Keep everybody alive, and at some point during the end of the year, you might still be standing. I don't know if it says any more that Green Bay and New Orleans weren't every bit as good as the New York Giants. They had a much better record. They had more lofty statistics. But the bottom line is, is the Giants are put together as a well-rounded uh, machine, good run defense, solid pass defense, Good pass rush, solid run game, excellent passing attack. Uh, you know, and you add it all up. Good coaching, you add it all up, and that's a, that's a winning combination. You know, the league has been pushing towards parity for so long, and there's always the debate of what's better for the league or professional leagues as a whole. Is it good to have a dominant team? Is it good to have the New York Yankees? Uh, is it good to have the L.A. Lakers? Uh, and everybody else, you know, David and Goliath mentality? Or is it truly good that, that everybody is truly on an even playing field? That's what I see right now. It, parody is hit. And usually you say parody and people go, oh, my God, I don't want to see that. But you're right. On any given day, had these two teams, or excuse me, had these four teams played in an NBA format, had we played the best of seven, we likely would have gone to game seven in, in both series <laughs> right. and ended up exactly where we are now. Well, I think we would have because keeping keeping in mind that – uh, Green Bay again. We mentioned Green Bay uh, thirteen and zero, but I mean, what did they do well? Well, they threw the ball well, okay. But they did not play very good defense. Uh, they were not exceptional in the secondary, uh, and they did wind up losing. If you go to New England, 
This is a team that was 13-3, and three, but their three losses were teams with winning records. Uh, they made it look awful easy throwing the ball over the field, but in this particular game, there were no touchdown passes from Tom Brady. The, remember last week when I said it looked like it's fun, you know, because right. nobody hit them. You know, they just it was like they run around and catch the ball and go into the end zone and 40-yard throws, 99-yard touchdown runs after 85-yard runs and catches. Uh, and But this was not that kind of game. So New England showed that they can win that kind of game. When, where it's wide open, but they also were tough enough to win the kind of game that they won yesterday against Baltimore. So I, I think it, it just says that the game is, is all things. The league likes the way the game is being played right now. I was concerned about it being overrun with all these lofty passing right. yardage and stuff, but in the end, that's not the case, right. that it wasn't about the lofty passing yardage and, and guys going out and throwing for 400 yards in a particular game. It, it came down to now good, solid football, tackling, blocking, uh, being able to run the ball, being able to drive the football, kicking, whether it be punting or field goals. It came down to all aspects of the game. You know, I made a comment on the pregame show uh, on Sunday that it's a little like, and we're in the middle of the, the political atmosphere right now with all the the primaries going on and the run towards the presidency and the the conventional wisdom in politics is that in the primaries you run to the extremes the extreme right or left depending upon what party you're in but in the general election you got to run towards the middle you got to be more broad-based and to me the league looks to be the same i can win i can go to the playoffs in the extremes if i've got a dominant defense a dominant running game or or a dominant passing game, I can win enough games to get in the playoffs. Right. But when I get in the playoffs, if I'm going to win a championship, I got to come kind of come back to the middle, right. and I got to play better all around. I better have one of those guys a quarterback, but I better have better balance. And you better have you better be good at that. And I would say maybe the teams that were in, and I agree with you with these extremes. But then when they got to the middle, they didn't really know what to do with it. Very right. similar to politics. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. they, what do I get, do now? They, you know, when you get to the middle, and they have to know have to know what what to do with it. And there were some lofty statistics, but the reality was these these two teams again. Yeah, they played earlier. The New York Giants beat them. This was this was one of the teams that New England lost to. Uh, they beat them. Uh, they played a couple years ago in the Super Bowl before when when uh, the New England had a team that couldn't be stopped and couldn't lose. And Peyton, again, made a couple incredible plays, and the Giants beat them then. But down the middle now, how, how can it be better than Boston versus basically New York? Wow. Uh, the AFC versus the NFC, uh, Tom Coughlin, who no one would ever say, uh, maybe you and I will say it, one of the best coaches in the history of the game. We've said it. Right. Okay. Versus Bill Belichick, one of the best coaches in the history of the game. Now, for years, people have said Belichick is the best. Well, I think he's one of the best sure. because in this era of 2000 plus, he's right. been the dominant coach. In the 1990s, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells, exactly. The 1980s, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. 1970s, Chuck Don Noel. Chuck Noll and Don Shula. Don Shula. Okay, so I mean, the coaches so for the decades. Decades for the decades. All okay, right. those are coaches for the decades. And I and I have to say now in 2000, Bill Belichick, tops, but Tom Coughlin right on his heels. Right. And, and I think that that's something that he's never gotten credit for. It's a kind of shout out 
to an old school guy because yep. now we we got so many young guys getting a shot and and as we say we're not hating on young guys because no. we used to be young. <laughs> I can remember being 42 years old, being uh, you know named the new head coach with the Minnesota Vikings. Seems like yesterday, but it was 30, 20 years mm-hmm. ago. I think that Tom Coughlin gives a shout out to the old school way and also does does Belichick. So these are two guys. Old school coaches from the old days, and that doesn't mean that the young guys, both of them being Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, they did they did a great job. Could have been there with any one play. We right. know one play doesn't win, and one play doesn't lose, but one play made a big difference for both of those guys. For the, representing the young guys, they did a great job. And both Coughlin and Belichick, guys that had been fired from previous jobs, right, got the second opportunity. Check the go. Snap, ball down, kick up, kick is... He hooked it, no good, no good, he missed it, he missed it from 32 yards out, he missed it from 32 yards out with 11 seconds left in the game, and the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, we're going easy. Let's let's break it down a little bit. Let's look at some of the game. Obviously, and they were great games, Baltimore and New England, when... And it's so, I don't hate to use the word tragic because it is a football game, but, you know, Baltimore, the, the, you had to know this is the game they wanted to play. Keep it a tight game. Uh, Joe Flacco played very, very well. Had them in position to go the length of the field, to tie first to win the game, and then Lee Evans drops the pass. Okay, then we're at least we're going to tie it. Right. And Billy Cundiff comes in, and, and uh, Cundiff miss, misses the field goal. Then you and I have been there. You know, you and I were in a championship game against uh, uh, the Atlanta Falcons when our kicker, Gary Anderson, was what, 40 of 40, 41 of 41 during the regular season right. and missed a quote-unquote chip shot at the end of the game that would have basically put us into the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, that, that makes a difference. And I, I think that what what kind of did, you know, it was a 32-yard field goal. I mean, that is a really, uh, you know, relative chip shot. Uh, but it was the the play before that you mentioned Lee Evans. I mean, it was there. I mean, Flacco made a great throw. He had the right coverage. You got single coverage. Right. You go in the red zone. You put it up. You can't. Threw you don't it in the wait. Perfect place. Perfect place. Back shoulder, just a bit. He had it, and uh, it got knocked out. I mean, right. I think he relaxed, and the defender did not relax. It got knocked out, and then to tie the game, it wasn't there. Now, you know, I, I had one of my former players, not a Viking, I might add either, uh, you know, text me and just said, New England's so lucky. Well, you know, you make your own luck. You make luck. your own luck. You make exactly your own luck. Right. But I tell you what, if I was Baltimore, and I said, we can hold the New England Patriots to 23 points, then I'd say, Coach, we'll win that ball game then. If we can hold New England 20 points, we'll win that ball game. Yeah, I mean, let, and let's talk about one of the decisions because people, as always, you're going to second guess and question. I think we both agree at the end of the game, uh, and it ended up not being a factor, but when John Harbaugh decided on a fourth and six to forego a 50-yard field goal, well, we kind of know why now because this guy couldn't make the 32. Right. That, those were extreme conditions to try a 50-yard field goal because had they missed it, that would have been a shorter field for New England. You, you can't give Tom Brady a, a short field. I don't know that uh, from my part, I, I won't second guess that they shouldn't have gone for it in fourth and six. With my defense playing the way they are, I know it's Tom Brady in New England. I don't know with uh, Sam Cook as my kicker, who's very good at keeping him down, pinned down inside. I don't know that I don't punt that, pin New England down, right. uh, 
think my defense is going to get them out and put me in better field position to, to again, try to win the game. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, we always said the strategy that works is good strategy. Right. And if it doesn't work, then the you coach is going to think that it was a wrong strategy. He had some choice. The thing that you love about coaching the game of football is these decisions come up rapid fire. And, and, and there's nothing like it. I mean, you got to make calls. you got to make decisions. Everybody responds. you got to live or you die with it. Yeah, and I think, John, and, and you're not right or wrong either way. I don't fault them going for fourth and sixth because let's remember now they did they did get the ball back. Now it was all, but I, I do question. I'll turn around and kind of question New England's. I understand them going for the big knockout punch. Right. Okay, we've stopped you on fourth down. We're now going to go to the knockout punch. We're going to knock you out of the park. Kind of threw up a deep jump ball at the end that – you could make a case that, okay, at the very least, let's chew up some clock. Right. Well, we've got the win in hand, ostensibly, um, but let's make the, uh, uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens and Joe Flacco, let me chew some clock up. Even if I can't get in scoring position, I'm then going to punt it down, and I'm going to put Joe Flacco on the field and make him go the length of the field. I understand them going for the deep ball at the end, but I don't know tactically that they might have approached it a different way. Yeah, you know, and, and I think when you have Tom Brady, you think he can do a lot of things. Right. You think he can make the play. It's hard to say if it was there if Joe or if, or if Tom just felt, hey, I can make that kind of play, which he normally did. You know, uh, Brady did not have any touchdown passes, which is very much un-Brady. He only threw for 239 yards. Uh, he had two interceptions. Well, we know this. That means he went up against a very good defense, yeah. and that's what we anticipated. You know, when you look, you say, how does Baltimore have a chance? Baltimore has a chance because they're outstanding on defense, and they will come to play. Uh, I mean, Ray Lewis will come to play. Uh, you know, Ed Reed and those guys, they will come to play, and that's exactly what they did. I was a little surprised and impressed, I will say, with New England's ability to run the ball against Baltimore. I thought they ran the ball much better than I thought they would. I thought with Lodi Nada in the inside and that front seven that Baltimore has, they and I give Brady credit for that. He got them into the right checks at the right time. Uh, the linebacking core of Baltimore, when they got spread out uh, with with uh, on the inside, did look a little slow-footed. I think they, were, they, they have are a bit of a liability when you can get spread out like right. that. Uh, and that jumped out at me. On the flip side, Vince Wolfer. Good God, right. what, a, what a performance by him. Well, I think that the, the Baltimore linebacker, anytime they run a turnout, you know, the little seven-yard turnout uh, route by the tight end and the slot guy, the linebacker has to either get out there and just make a tackle for a six-yard gain or he's got to try to get outside and get his hands on it. And there were a lot of those that were knocked down. I mean, they knocked down a lot of those little turnout plays from the inside receiver. But in doing so, I think it made it made them vulnerable to the inside run. And when Tom Brady could check into it, they had a hard time getting help with the backers helping on the inside and still being ready to cover guys on the outside. Wolfolk played like a man. I think he's the one guy, you know, they don't have that many guys right, back right. from the 2007 Super Bowl team, but he's that one guy that says, hey, I'm still, if I decide I'm going left, I'm going left. There's nobody, there's no two guys that are going to stop me from going left. And if they're going to try to run wide, and we know they were, they, Baltimore was about getting the ball to Rice and trying to bounce to the outside, he kept them from running their bread and butter play, which is the bounce play. You know, other thing I want to comment on, looking at New England, and again, their defense stepped up and did a nice job. Um, and as good as Vince Wolfork was, I look at Julian Edelman in the secondary, and, and, and I'm looking at thinking, first off, I got to give Bill Belichick, the coach, kudos for playing with a guy like Edelman in your nickel and, and winning with a guy like that. He's a former quarterback and former wide receiver. You know, okay. and, and Bill Belichick is a master at finding a role, and I'm going to utilize the talent I have. 
But the flip side is I'm going to – I need to sit down with Bill Belichick, the general manager, because we know he, he's the end-all, be-all there in New England. And I'm going, are you kidding me? This is the best I've got. This is the best you've left him with to play in my nickel package, Julian Edelman. Shouldn't you have someone better for me to play with than this guy in my nickel package? Well, I think they've tried to, but they've been stuck playing with some guys who really haven't played well and haven't played sound. And I think with, with, uh, with Bill Belichick, the coach is saying, give me a guy, regardless of how talented he is, who won't make any mistakes, who I can in zone. I won't, have to, I won't let him get caught in the matchup. We'll play zone with him, and he's got to be able to go in and hold his ground. And that's, that's what, uh, what Julius does. Um, you know, to finish up on the Ravens, first, Ray Lewis has made it clear he is coming back, which is great. I mean, Lay, Ray and, and Denny, you and I deal have dealt with this for years, any number of veteran players that we've had that probably I know they still reach out to me, I know they reach out to you. When they get to that point in their career where they want to know, should I keep going? Can can I still play at a high level? Ray Lewis has such high expectations. I have no doubt that he'll come back. At some point, it will catch up with him. I'm seeing a little bit. uh, There's no question he can still play, but I do see him in in wide-open situations. Not you know, I can see the wear and tear on him. Uh, Ed Reed, again, he's been dealing with injuries. I don't know if Ed's going to come back. Joe Flacco's probably going to get paid. There's no question in my mind. One of the issues uh, that the Ravens are going to face going forward, I know Cam Cameron, the offensive coordinator, is under a lot of heat. I would ask this, and, and, and Cam Cameron doesn't deserve to be let go, but there are so much heat on them and offensively, and are we doing the right thing? Sometimes do you have to make a change just because a change has to be made? Well, I think particularly because, you know, John Harbaugh comes from defense. He's been special teams coach, defensive coach, has not been known to have an offensive expertise like his, unlike his brother uh, Jim Harbaugh. So it could be that people are saying, hey, you know, defense, you know, that's your background, but do you have enough experience yourself in the offense? Uh, are you helping him enough? Are you giving them the tools they need? So I don't, you know, you, you, you get to the, to the finals of the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if that's the time that you mess with something. Uh, I guess a lot will come down to the relationship between, you know, your your quarterback, Joe Flacco, and Cam Cameron. Is that on solid ground? But, you know, uh, it's it's going to be tricky because when you if you don't get there, something has to change. What, right. what, what will stay the same and what can we do a little bit better next year, even though all the opportunities were there for them to win the ballgame? Right, right. And, and, and it's hard sometimes to wrap your head around the idea that – because I've had to make a change like that in my staff because of the time frame of it. It's just do you really have to account for if we keep the status quo and we come back next year, are we adding the emotional baggage of we hit that first rough spot, now it come, you know it all comes flooding down. And, well, you should have made a change. You should have done this or that. Do you get ahead of the curve when you're in year four or five? And now does change have to come because of change? We're going to talk about Joe Flacco and the contract he may or may not be getting uh, in reference to, to the other quarterbacks, one being Alex Smith. Let's move on first and talk about that game. Weatherford to hold, Diossi to snap from 31 yards to put the Giants in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Everybody's set. Snap is low. Kick on its way. It's got the distance, and it is good! And Lawrence Tynes has done it again. He's kicked the Giants to the second Super Bowl in four years. And the Giants in overtime have won the NFC Championship 
the final score, 20 to 17. New York Giants at San Francisco, a great overtime win. It's where we were headed with the other, the earlier game. And again, unique, uh, not unique, but probably predictably, came down in a 2017 uh, game to where the 49ers, it was turnovers and just a couple huge mistakes by Kyle Williams, a backup player. <laughs> that now cost your team a chance to go on to the Super Bowl. In special teams, we say it all the time. What's it take? Offense, defense, special teams. San Francisco offense, don't make any mistakes. Don't give up any turnovers. San Francisco defense, play like you've been playing. If you say, hey, we're going to hold the New York Giants to 17 points, is that enough? That's what the Giants are saying on on uh, on on offense. We can score more than that. The 49ers are saying only 17 points, and San Francisco land. You hold them to 17 points, we'll win the ball game. There's no doubt. That's what the San Francisco 49ers are saying. Well, they were except for the special teams part, in that there were two turnovers, two turnovers that gave field position to the New York Giants. That field position turned into points, and they were mistakes really that should have been made. One is obviously. Uh, you know, move away from the ball and hits the ground because it will take crazy bounces. You cannot predict where the ball's going to go. So you yell, yell, scatter, scatter. You as a return guy, you scatter, and you make sure the rest of the guys scatter too because the ball's going to bounce around. And then number two, when you catch a punt or punt return, you got to have two hands on the ball, and you don't switch it. You don't switch it uh, to avoid guys. And I think so there were two big mistakes that gave field position to the New York Giants, and they scored with it. And it's, you know, as a coach, it's so tough. because Brad Seeley, the special teams coach in San Francisco, one of the best in the game. And you know, and John Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, the way he approaches the game, the formula they've had for success, which is play great defense, run the ball. Their quarterback, Alex Smith, has played true to his personality and to the personality of what they want to do offensively in terms of they really don't take a lot of risk. We're going to play good, sound football, and we're going to win at home. Um, and so you know that's been covered. And, and you know the young man – Wanted to do the right thing, but in a time of crisis, yeah, to make those type of mistakes, it it can drive you nuts as a coach. Let's talk a little bit about the 49ers in terms of that formula. And Jim Harbaugh, you know, probably coach of the year. I mean, what a job he's done. Remember, this team was 6-10 and last year. What he's able to do basically with the same group of guys, deserving of that honor if indeed he gets it. Alex Smith has still won, obviously, the great game last week against uh, New Orleans to get them in. But, you know, you look at what Alex Smith, he trade, played true to their system right now. One of 13 on third downs. You know, you, you take away, and it sound, always sounds silly to say, you take away that one 73-yard touchdown to Vernon Davis. He's, he's, he's Tebow-like numbers. He's just 11 of 22 for barely over 100 yards. I, I, don't, I still don't know how to figure out Alex Smith. Well, I think clearly they did not expect him to have to outdo Eli Manning. That, that's not going to happen. We're not going to put you in that situation. You know, making some, some third down plays, though, you have to be willing to throw to the wide receivers if you need more than five or six yards. And a lot of their passes were dropped off. It didn't look like he was staying with his receivers and, and anticipating them coming open and throwing the ball. And, and obviously, you're going to have pressure from the Giants guys. He was holding the ball low bit when he held the ball he got sacked uh you know when he didn't let go of the ball he tried to top it off to the to the backs and so you know I think they still feel that hey Alex played well enough for us to win the ball game and he did uh the philosophy that they had and the approach of the game that they had that was good enough to win the ball game and it was you know, so I think, do we, do we come back again next year? You do. I think after all that's said and done, what you've said about Alex being our guy and everything, they have to go in and, and give him the kind of contract 
uh, that says that, hey, this is a guy now that's established himself as a starter. It's not going to be Eli Manning money, but uh, it will be in that mid-price range for a starting quarterback who's a former one pick. Yeah, and that's the contrast we're talking about because there are going to be four quarterback contracts quarterback contracts that will be interesting to see on one you've got drew Brees, or excuse me yeah drew Brees. he's going to be off the charts right. he's going to be peyton manning type money we know that's going to happen then on the other end of the spectrum you have matt flynn money because matt flynn all of two starts for green bay there's going to be a market <laughs> he's going to get matt flynn's a new rogers huh? exactly right and <laughs> okay. so we're, he's going to get maybe kevin cobb ish type money so those, 10 are the, year. those are the two extremes well where does joe flacco and Alex Smith fit in this equation because Joe Flacco, I think, has proven that he needs to be on the plus side of that. And I think I think Baltimore will end, end up giving him one, and it's going to be more long-term. So where do you slot Alex Smith? Where do I fit? Am I going to be more like Joe Flacco money, or am I going to be more like Matt Flynn money? I think you have to be more like Matt Flynn yeah. money, and, and I think that's, that's about you know, Kevin Cobb money, as we mentioned Correct. last year. He had very few starts at Philadelphia. He had, did not have much success at Philadelphia, but he still got $10 million a year contract. And I think it's probably going to be around $10 million. But the key will be the 49ers having a contract that will not be shackled. They, in other words, if it doesn't work out, and you never want to wait for the other shoe to fall, but if it doesn't work out, we can't say we made a four-year mistake. We have to say we made a two-year mistake. And there's any number. They can do a split contract. There can be another bonus that's next fall or next spring, excuse me that says okay we we love you here here's your money but we're going to hold some of that back until next march and if you can follow up again then you're going to get that payday if not and it's going to be interesting to see how these contracts pay out because at the end of the day they're going to say all the right things we love the guy he's our guy he's our leader we're there but at the end of the day it's follow the money right the money's going to tell you how much they really love you and how they how they size you up well let's let's talk about um Eli Manning a little bit. Before I move on to the Eli Manning uh, and New, New York Giants playing the New England Patriots, let's talk a little bit about the job that Eli done because we just talked about a Kevin or a, a Alex Smith that, that played solid, but again, he passed up some throws that, that, Al, that Eli Manning didn't pass up. He threw some balls in there of a championship caliber that, and I've said it many times, even as, as long as you and I have been in this profession, you could stop the tape right when the ball comes out of his hands and look and say, where are you throwing, man? This guy's not open. Yet the great ones make those throws, and they make more than they don't. Eli Manning is at that level. It's Again, I always hate it that we can't say – it seems like we can't say Eli Manning and not bring up Peyton. Right. But the thing that jumps out at you about Peyton Manning is his football intellect. It's just so his, – his recall. Eli has the same intellect now. I'm convinced of that. He doesn't portray it the same way just because he's got a different personality, but it's his football IQ – it's his football intellect to size situations up. I think that truly has put him in the elite category and has him an opportunity now to get his second Super Bowl. Oh, he really is. Remember now, he's not playing in the old, which is the old, you know, Minnesota Vikings offense that Indianapolis used. Tom Moore took that to Indianapolis, and that's the one that Peyton Manning has been in. Every single year he's been there, it is a wide-open offense. It's proven time and time again that, you know, between the run and the pass and the number count, here's when we can run the ball, here's when we can pass the ball, and this one you split it and so forth. Peyton has that thing down. You know, Eli has not played in that type of system, even though he had tremendous success now with the three wide receivers. These guys are phenomenal. They can go make plays. But Eli's anticipation on who's coming open and where they're going to be, where he wants to throw the ball, 
uh, he is clearly playing like a great player. And I think from the last game, you know, uh, against Green Bay, it, it shows up that, hey, he is now truly considered a great player. And I think what he did yesterday, even though he did not throw for – he threw for 316 yards, two touchdowns. It was a good day. He threw a lot. What did he throw, 55 passes or something? Yeah. You know, so he threw more than you'd think he would throw. Uh, he still has, uh, has the ability to lead a team. The team has confidence in him. They won a game for for the most part. They only scored 17 points. They won a game that they needed turnovers to get the right kind of field position. But he still is the quarterback. He is still the quarterback who has led his team. He's a quarterback that I think people now say, hey, if he wins, he has two Super Bowls. And that guy we weren't supposed to mention, Peyton Manning, has one. Yeah, and, and that's the uh... – the ultimate to f you part of the argument when you sit with your brother. I love you. You love me. You're going to support me. But at the end of the day, brother, I got two. You got one. End argument. Okay, I win. Third and five for the Giants. One sixteen to go. Giants. Everybody on their feet. Giants with two timeouts here. They still have a choice on the plays they call. They can still get a first down, use a timeout, and keep moving, moving the ball. Four for six between five and eight yards. Third and five from their own 44. Tyree split right. Boy, it looks like the slant is right there. Manning takes the snap. Back to throw. Under pressure. Avoids the rush. And he's going to fight out of it. Still fights out of it. Now throws it deep downfield. Wide open Tyree who makes the catch. At the 23-yard line. What a play by Manning. He eluded three sacks. He runs up to Mike Terry and calls a timeout. And what a catch by Tyree with 58 seconds to go. What a play. This team won't quit, Bob. They don't, they're not blinking today. They're going to fight until the final clock. Uh, all right, let's talk about the matchup. We've got a compelling. It's New York Giants versus the New England Patriots. Um, let's, let's talk about, let's get this out of the way. Let's go back to the two games everybody's going to talk about way too much. First, the Giants beat the Patriots 24-20 in Week 9. Do we draw anything from that game? I, th- I think what you draw from it is that this the Giants will say we beat these guys and we weren't even playing well at that particular time. This was before they got onto the winning streak. They were playing okay. This was their big win and their other big win in the first 14 games of the season, 13 games of the season. The other big win was against the Dallas Cowboys. Those were the two games that they had to win to be in position to be 7-7 seven and seven and go on the run versus the Jets and, and all, that, all that other stuff. And so I think the Giants are going to say this is, this is the matchup we had to have. It wasn't our best game, but we can go it. New England looks at it the, the, another way. This was one of the three games that they lost. They lost to all, all three teams that had winning records. They never really beat a real good team, but the other times they were just flying high and scoring all kind of points. Once again, they only scored 20 points in that game. So uh, another case of with all these other games and they're scoring 40 and 50 points, when they go up against a good team, they don't score as much. They didn't score as much against Baltimore. They didn't score as much. In fact, 20 points. They didn't score as much against the New York Giants. So I think that's what you draw from them having played before. And and the one thing New England can do, and not that Tom Coughlin and the Giants won't, but New England and Bill Belichick, we talked about last week. What do they draw from their previous game with the Ravens, from losing in the playoffs? It gives you that hard, cold tape to look at and say, this is how we lost last time. Right. We needed to step here punch there, do this, do that, do A, B, and C. This is what left us vulnerable before. 
this is what we've got to overcome very clear cut. So they'll draw so much from it. They would draw anything from the 2008 Super Bowl. I mean, let's remember, New England was on an undefeated run. This was supposed to be, I mean, it was prohibitive favorite. It was such a shock that New York was able to go in and play. I don't know that you're going to draw anything tactically. Do you draw anything emotionally from that game? Well, I think the emotional part is that this is a chance for New York to, to do it again. I mean, in other words, that, hey, now, we we know how to beat these guys. I mean, it comes, you know, in your in your days when you used to uh, play, the, I forget which team, Pittsburgh, when yeah. you would play Pittsburgh so much and everybody else was losing to Pittsburgh. And I remember talking to you once or twice. You said, you know what, we know how to play Pittsburgh. Right. I, I know. I don't care what their record is. I don't care if their record is 8-2 and two and our record is 5-5. Is, uh, is five and five. We know how to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think what the Giants are saying, even though we haven't played them that much, we know how to play them because we have our front four that will be at full strength. We know how to play them because we have a quarterback and three receivers, which will go up against their weakness, which is, you know, a lack of a pass rush and kind of an average secondary. And let's remember now that both Coughlin and Belichick are Bill Parcell disciples. Both were on that New York staff back then. And you know how it is when you're the offensive guy and I'm the defensive guy and we probably faced each other in training camp and I'm mad at you because you're pressuring when you're not supposed to and you're mad at me because I'm throwing personnel groupings in there, but we're still buddies and we're having a beer when practice is over. And But we both have a different mentality now uh, as head coaches. We're both proven head coaches. We're going to draw on that. There's got to be a part of Bill Belichick's that's going, that, that son of a gun has gotten me twice now right. in key situations. And Bill, Bill or, or, or Coughlin also is going, hey, I know how to get Bill Belichick. Well, and I think that also when it comes down to Coughlin's, as, you know, both of them have been fired before your point is well taken. But Belichick, because he had Brady, got a little bit better of a run. He, got, he was fortunate enough to get Tom Brady, and all of a sudden he didn't have to worry that, wear that mantle as much being a Bill Parcell guy because Bill Parcell's a defensive guy. Bill's a defensive guy. Belichick's a defensive guy. You know, uh, uh, you know, Coughlin. To a lot of ways, you know, it is when you're when, if you're the the head coach and you favor defense, the offensive guy's out there by himself. Right. So Coughlin, right. you know, didn't get as much of the pat pat on the back and all this. You know, we're winning because we can run the ball. Yeah, okay. And we're winning because we have defense because that's Parcells' baby. Okay, yeah, okay. And so I would say that he's probably had a little bit more to prove. Indeed, you won't hear people say that, that much. That he's Parcells' guy. You almost say, well, whose guy is he? Well, he was with Parcell, where Belichick, everybody says, this is Parcells' guy. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the preparation, because you have two different teams that come at it a little bit differently in that, let's remember, New York had to play the wild card game. Uh, We had to go that route to go to the Super Bowl, and we had to play, and there are times, it hasn't been for a while, where the Super Bowl, there wasn't that bye week. And and had we, we had to go the wild card route when I was in Baltimore. We then had to go in the championship game from the East Coast to West Coast, play Oakland, uh, the leading rushing team in the league at that point, very physical game in Oakland. Had we had to play the next week, we probably would have lost to the New York Giants in Super Bowl 35 because uh, we'd have just been physically worn out. We needed that week. I remember, and, and compared to New England now that's had the bye. Right. So, Let's talk about they got the, their rest already. Correct. So let's talk about the difference in preparation. I, I would think, and Tom Coughlin's been here before. He had to, it was the same scenario. He had to go the wild card route before when he played New England uh, down in, in in Phoenix for the for the uh, Super Bowl. Um, our approach was we took the first three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we had a great support staff in Baltimore. It says bring in everybody. Bring in your 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 wife, your girlfriend, preferably not both at the same time, uh, <laughs> uh, aunt, uncle, mom, dad, whoever. You bring them in. We're going to get you settled. Okay. Transportation, cars, hotel rooms, tickets. Okay. We're here to get that done. 
Because when you come back to work on Thursday now, we're putting the game plan in. And, and concentrate on the game plan. Let the, you got to put a structure in place, and we'll help you, that says all this is taken care of. You focus now on the game. And for us, we barely had walkthroughs. We came in and we installed the game plan from the get-go. Coaches had the complete game plan. The one bit of advice I got from everybody, Bill Walsh, you, Dan Reeves, John, Mike Ditka, Get your game plan set. Because when you get down there for Super Bowl week, it's a crazy time. So we had our game plan set. Players came back on Thursday. We practiced Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I call practice very loosely. It was nothing more than a walkthrough. Gave them Sunday off. Monday traveled down to Tampa. Tuesday's media day and started up. And I actually put them in pads on Wednesday and Thursday. I think I put them in shells on Thursday to kind of get physically back in that rhythm uh, because I needed for them to have that rest. Right. And and the reason you do that, is again, is that – the New York Giants, having been on this run now, they've been in the playoff game when they, it was really 7-7 seven and seven record against the Jets. They've been in the playoff run every game right. since then, and unlike New England, which had it made. They won it early. They wrapped it up early. They, they have not had as difficult a schedule, and uh, but they did meet the challenge at Baltimore, and so there are two different styles. I would say that, uh, you know, Belichick won't give him as much off. One thing we know, you know, he knows exactly where his team is, he know Bill Belichick knows exactly how he wants his guys to work. Uh, they have players on the team that have been there, not as many uh, players that were there before in 2008 Super Bowl, but have been there, and they'll be able to give the guys all the warnings on this is what it's going to be, this is what it's going to take, this is what we have to accomplish, this is going to be our mindset. And believe me, both teams are going in there saying, hey, we're only going for one reason. We're going down there to Indianapolis to win this ball game, and we've got to play our best game of the year. And I think both feel to win – they're going to have to play their best game. And to do that, they have to have their best week of preparation. Brings up an interesting question. If you're Bill Belichick and you planned down to the minute what the two weeks is going to be like, you had an undefeated team in 2008, you go down and you lose to the New York Giants. Now, you believed in your plan. Otherwise, you wouldn't have put it in place in the first place. That's your last experience in the Super Bowl. Now, you've been down this road, so you know what to plan for. Don't you have to do a little something different? Because in the back of the players' minds, we lost that game. I got to do, even if it's a placebo, even if you believe in your, don't you give them a little something different? Just say, okay, we're going to do this a little differently, and that's going to make the difference. I think they'll do a little bit different. Nothing dramatic. Yeah, but the Giants are a little different team, too. The Giants are extremely uh, physical, a very physical team. They have a much more consistent receiving core, even though they made some big plays in that that particular game. And the... uh, New England team is not that undefeated team who had a, right. had an easy role. That they're a team that struggled defensively. So I would say he does try to come up with something different, but not a lot because he does not want to think that he's panicked. He also don't want to make him think that he didn't anticipate this uh, this scenario. You have a bunch of players that have been there, actually uniquely, and I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, but the Giants actually have more players that have played in the Super Bowl than the Patriots, but still enough. You really count on those guys to get the younger guys, the inexperienced guys, We've talked about it many times. It's amazing to watch for the players that haven't been there to watch the transition from preseason to regular season. They th- they play the preseason and they think, okay, we're ready to go. And then they get in a regular season game. Oh, my God, this is totally different. Right. Then then they go through the full regular season, and a young player then goes in the playoffs for the first time, and it's, oh, my God, this is a whole nother level. Now they go to the Super Bowl. Again, tr- we've both been there. It's a whole nother level from there. Right. The great thing is you've got some – I've told the story many, many times. I knew we were going to beat the New York Giants in Super Bowl thirty-five when we went down to Tampa and, and, and we were practicing at one of those Florida directional schools, Southern and Central and Western, whatever. Um, and, and I didn't have a lot of rules for my team, but one of them was we're, we're going to go to and from practice 
on the bus because I want to know you get there. I want to know you get back. A lot of traffic that time in Tampa. Um, and and uh, I came out of the locker room after the first practice. We're heading to the buses. And I'm behind Shannon Sharp and one of our younger players. And the younger player turns to Shannon and say, hey, my aunt and uncle are here. You think coach would let me go back with them? Now, it would have been real easy for Shannon, who had been in Super Bowls and had right. Super Bowl rings, to say, oh, yeah, ask with coach. He knew what the answer was going to be. He could have put that back on me, and that's fine. That's my job. But Shannon, God love him, was one of my gatekeepers. He was one of my veterans that said, look, coach said we're going to and from the uh, practice on the bus. Get your butt on the bus. Right then I knew, all right, the message is there. I got the right people in the right spot that are going to make sure that the young players that haven't been in this position before have got the right mindset going forward, and I knew we had the game won. Yeah, and that's what your leaders do. That's leadership, and because the Giants have been there, they're going to know exactly how to go about this, and because New England's been there too. So I don't think we could have come up with a better matchup than New England versus New York. And it's all about how they handle obviously the pressures of this week and next week. All right, let's talk about the game a little bit. Let's talk about how we think the game's going to go down. We're going to talk about it on our coaches show and, and we'll make our picks. I think we're both of the same mind. Um, I, I, I really am leaning towards New York because I think on the surface in Indy, the speed of that front four, the pressure they're going to put on Tom Brady, I'm talking about New York now, um, Baltimore, as good as they are, had to bring that fifth and sixth guy to get pressure on Brady. I think we saw New York, particularly on a neutral surface, with the speed of the game coming off the turf. They're going to be able to put pressure on Brady with that front four that's going to give them some issues. Um, I think the New York Giants defense is going to make the difference. I'd go with New York. Well, I think also they can pressure up the middle. I mean, that's where I think Brady has the most difficulty. He's a fabulous quarterback, makes so many plays. But there can be a problem with the stunts up the middle, and that's really where the the New York Giants are really good at. I I think the other issue is going to be the receiving crowd. I mentioned them maybe once or twice, but what a fabulous group of receivers, three guys that uh, that the Giants have, and they're going up against New England's weakness right now, which is the second – secondary play uh Eli is really uh, playing well and I think running the football you know the Giants run it when they when they have to and and they had some success not a lot but they had some success against uh, against San Francisco so I you know I, I think it's going to be quite a game everyone's going to love it I mean how how can you beat Eli Manning versus Tom Brady I think the NFL uh once again has struck gold <laughs> and it's been Quite a year for them. After a close call, we can now say after a close call, when it looked like there were so many uh, idiots running things like that were going to jeopardize the season over money uh, and where they couldn't get together, then finally Cool Heads prevailed and said, look, we don't care really about the lawyers. We got to play football. The players said it. The owners said it. The coaches said it. The league administration said it. They saved the season, and boy, what a season it was! Uh, you know, it was new, uh, the uh, the Green Bay Packers looking like they couldn't be beaten. The New Orleans Saints looking like they couldn't be beaten. The uh, New England coming up off the deck, losing a lot of players, and then still having Tom Brady rise again and be a great team. And then out of New York City comes uh, the New York Giants. Uh, not the New York Jets, I might add you. The New York Giants. And I think what a phenomenal year it's been. Now, the Super Bowl in Indianapolis where it's going to be cold, uh, you know, this is about football. This is not about the golf courses right. in Arizona or 
or the uh, the uh, you know the golf courses in San Diego, which is my hometown, which is phenomenal. This is going to be about football. This is going to be. Hopefully, we can all pray for some good weather. I'll check the Farmers Almanac. Hopefully, it will not be ridiculous because everybody's got to get in to Indianapolis and get out of Indianapolis. But just a phenomenal year, which is going to be topped off. But I think a phenomenal Super Bowl. Yeah, you know what? The thing I'm looking for, and I'm going to be in Indy all week long, first, and we both know Indy very well. They've planned that t- city out so intelligently. This is going to be a great Super Bowl. One, everything's going to be right there downtown. Right. This isn't spread out the way it is typically. The energy that it's going to bring. We're talking New York and Boston, you know, classic matchup. Two Super Bowl winning coaches, classic matchup. Two Super Bowl MVPs, classic matchup. Uh, and, and we're going to see in a town, you're right, you're not going there to do anything but to engage in a football game right. and, and, and be a part of the NFL. So we're going to have the pure diehards. There's going to be a lot of people are going, no, 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 I'm not there to play golf. I can't get out on the water. Yeah, I'm going to go to this. It's going to be football crazies. They're going to be in that town. We really don't care what the weather is because it's all interconnected. It's gonna, I, I just think it's going to be a great football atmosphere, and uh, it's going to be exciting, and we're going we're gonna to cover it in a lot of different ways. But I, you're right. I think the league has struck gold. They're thrilled to have this matchup, and it's going to be iconic NFL football. Well, that's going to do it for the Coach's Show podcast. You can download the Coach's Show podcast from iTunes or go to the NFL.com slash podcast. Also, we want to hear from you. Plug into me at Coach Billick where I can, you can tweet me and let me know what you want to talk about. Also, be sure to catch the Coach's Show on the NFL Network every Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be on all next week at the Super Bowl. I have some great guests, and we're going to do it all week long for the Coach's Show here on the NFL Network. Thanks for listening.